have a lot of scripture today, so you might have to go back and and um, find them after uh, the message is over. But I'd like to begin here, Exodus chapter 33 and verse 7. It is one of those obscure verses in the Bible that um, points to the greater truth. It's easy to kind of bypass it, maybe even in your daily reading or if you've read through the book of Exodus. This is an easy verse to just glide by, but um, this has major significance and relevance in every age No more significance than it does today. This is a powerful truth. Exodus chapter 33, verse 7. I'll read from the King James Version, and then later I'll offer another version. And Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp. This is interesting. That, that word tabernacle could mean a tent. In fact, it does mean more of a tent. He built it or he pitched it without the camp. Afar off from the camp. He called it the tabernacle of the congregation. And it came to pass that everyone, say that with me now, everyone which sought the Lord went out unto the tabernacle of the congregation which was without the camp. I guess Moses wanted to emphasize that it was without the camp. He said it several times. A tent, tabernacle, without the camp, far off from the camp. Anyone who wanted to find the Lord could go to this tabernacle of congregation, which was without the camp. Amen. I want you to pray with me for a moment that the Lord would open up our hearts and speak to us. I want him to plant a seed of truth that will not go away. I want it to land on good ground. The seed never changes. The seed, however, is determined by the ground that it finds. So I want my heart to be good ground. I want my heart to be fertile ground so that the seed can do what only it can do. So pray with me right now. Father, we are here today in our respective places. We are in need of a word from you, Lord, a message from the throne of God. So speak to all the people who hear this word. Speak to them eternal truth. And do what you will in this hour of time. And I give you praise and glory. All of it is due your name. It all belongs to you, Lord. We lift your name up high today. Amen. Amen. God bless you. If you're standing, you may be seated. I must confess, um, I've been a little nostalgic, I suppose, 
in these last few weeks looking through a couple of old pictures and um, I must confess that the Lord really did save me. Even though I grew up in a pastor's home, I needed saved, maybe more than, than most. But my mother could attest to the fact that I needed to be saved. Um, there is a comfort in blaming my older brother, Scott, for leading me in the paths of unrighteousness. Um, uh, that, that brings me comfort to know that. Uh, we always seem to find some kind of trouble. Um, my younger sister Dana and I, Scott, we, we would play games in the house. I can remember in the late 70s, real late 70s, um, maybe it was 1980, late 70s, 1980, um, there was a real bad snowstorm. It just kept everyone in their house for a long time. And my father was passing a church. We rented a house on a road called 47. We played Monopoly for weeks on end and didn't stop the game. If anyone ran out of money, we would lend them more money. But most of our games started at the usual place, the typical game, hide and seek. Uh, That's the game where you count to ten, someone counts to ten, everyone else hides, and then whoever is the counter... Um, the seeker yells out, ready, set, go. Somebody always protested that they weren't ready and that we had to count again. Uh, One time we played the game and uh, uh, I just left the house and went down to my grandmother's house and they never found me, but that's really not the way you play this game. Should I read the scripture again? I may already be preaching. Let me read it from... The NIV. Here's our text. Now Moses used to make a tent and pitch it outside the camp, some distance away. He called it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. Just to put that one verse into context, it takes a little work here. We need to remember that Moses has already led the people through the Red Sea. They are now a mere 50 days beyond the land of Egypt when they arrive at Mount Sinai. Three million travelers. It takes time. Normal life takes time. It takes time to look back. And it takes time to move forward. The children of Israel are barely past the scourge of Egypt's heavy hand when they pause at the foot of this most notable mountain, Again, they are but seven weeks removed from the night of all nights when a lamb was slain and blood was applied and death passed over them. They came to that mountain and watched Moses take the journey upward to meet God at the top in a cloud. God meets with Moses. The interaction between the omniscient one and mortal man is mind-bending. That the God of all space and time would consider the condition of the perishable is a wonder all its own. God is carving out the basis for all human decency and law for centuries and centuries to come. We know them as the Ten Commandments. Here's the Bible. God gave Moses, when he made an end of the communion with him on Mount Sinai, two tables of testimony, tables of stone written with the finger of God. The days of Moses on that fiery mount were not long, even still. 
The people prodded Aaron to make for them a golden calf. They dismissed Moses quickly and the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They reverted back to the pagan gods of their oppression. God knew what they were doing. God saw them. And thus God told Moses, go down, your people, these people have become corrupt. Here's the Bible. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. Moses went down and found them dancing around the golden calf made in the likeness of Asics. And in his anger, he broke the original tablets of stone. People died that day. A generational division was established that day. The priesthood itself was set at odds with the holiness of God. And lastly, the Levites became the standard bearers of the divine order. As if on a fulcrum, the balance of destinies were altered. The people, brought out, delivered by the miraculous, turned to the image of tyrants. Even as I say it, it makes no sense to me. The gods that bound you, the emblems of your affliction, why worship those things? I cannot make sense of it. Someone tell me how you could find Jesus and then turn back to the very chains that he removed from your life. Tell me how any one of us could be set free by the precious blood of the Lamb only to revert back to the things that sought to destroy us. Herein lies the fault line of humanity. Miraculous deliverance is never enough to keep people committed. It takes more than a miracle to save you. God cannot force you to live holy or set apart. And we were, we're learning another thing too. No amount of trauma will keep you connected to Jesus if you don't want to be connected. He cannot keep you if you don't want to be kept. Read the scripture. None of us were brought out like they were brought out. Plagues and parted waters. Who could think of it? And yet they made a quick turn and it angered God. He would have left them right then and there had Moses not intervened and become the intercessor. God said, I'll send an angel to lead you. But Moses said, we cannot go forward. Oh no, Lord, please. We cannot go forward unless you lead us. Mount Sinai. With all of its light and fire and mystery, it was not enough. Listen now, take note here. Moses could not live on Mount Sinai. And he could not lead the people and be on the mountain at the same time. Moses and the children of Israel had to have some place where they could find God. It had to be a place available on a daily basis where anyone could come. Sinai was not going to move with them. Mountains are meant to visit. They're not meant to live. No one lives there. So Moses decided to build a tent. I read to you that Moses put up a tabernacle. And you might have thought it was the tabernacle of Moses. It's not the same thing. This was not the tabernacle of Moses. That place was built sometime later. Moses received this instruction for the eventual tabernacle of Moses. But this was a mere tent. Verse 7, Moses called it the tent of meeting. Here's the Amplified Bible, Exodus 33, 7, the same text I read to you, but here's the Amplified Bible. Now Moses used to make his own tent and pitch it outside the camp, far away from the camp. And he called it the tent of meeting of God with his own people. And everyone, everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the temporary tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Anyone, everyone who sought the Lord, go find him. You can find him. God was outside the camp. 
This tent and the tabernacle of Moses are two different things. The tabernacle of Moses was found later in the Bible. We're reading from chapter 33 and chapter 35. It shows the actual construction of the tabernacle. The tabernacle was different than this tent. The tabernacle, that was a plan given by God. And the people rallied around it. They donated offerings of gold and silver and bronze. Some gave fabric of blue and purple. All the spoils of Egypt's trove allowed by God's providential plan. It helped to construct this movable tabernacle of Moses. There were jewels and acacia and fine linen, goat's hair and scarlet yarn and dyed skins and olive oil and spices for the anointing oil and for fragrant incense, the Bible says. The lot of it mounted up until it was too much. Exodus chapter 36 saw the construction and skilled workers, artistic designs appears for the tabernacle of Moses. Designers, craftsmen, embroiderers, and the Bible says master craftsmen, which appears to be akin to architects. Moses summoned it all. This tabernacle was then placed in the middle of all the people, and then for 40 years they camped around it. But the tabernacle was not the tent. The tent was far less glamorous the tent was where anyone who sought the Lord could come and find him. The tabernacle was set in the middle of their lives with all of its coverings and poles and the altar of sacrifice and the molten sea, the holy place and the holy of holies. The tabernacle also had a veil. Some Jewish historians say that the veil was at least six inches thick. Six being the number of man, the human separation between God and man. But they knew where God was. As long as they followed the cloud, they had him in their midst. God was always in their collective middle. He was at the center of their core. And when the cloud moved, whenever it moved, they moved. When it stayed, they stayed. They followed him wherever he went. It wasn't the tent, but at least they had him in the middle. Scroll ahead in your Bible. You'll find the people making it finally to the promised land leaders are going to come and go until David the king steps onto the scene by the time David becomes the king the ark of the covenant and most of the tabernacle uh, artifacts and utensils have been stolen or they're missing it was David who finally went after the ark of the covenant he brought it back with worship and sacrifice to the city of Jerusalem and it was then hear me now when life was simple and he was still new to this united kingdom of Israel. It was then that David made a tabernacle. It wasn't like the tabernacle of Moses. It was more like the tent of Moses, the tent of meeting. The tabernacle of David, the Bible says, it was a place where people would come and worship. Praisers constantly sang out. Musicians played and worship was present. The Bible says that there was dancing and clapping and offerings continually. It was for all the people or whoever so desired to seek the Lord. The Levites served there and people came to worship. It was meant for the people. Look into the pages of the New Testament. James spoke about it. James proved the point when he refuted the idea that salvation was restricted for only the Jews. James quoted the prophet Amos and then revealed the intent of God's inclusion for all people. I'll, I'll read it to you. Acts 15 verse 16. After this I will return and will build again the 
tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. And I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up, that the residue of men might seek after the Lord, and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, saith the Lord, who doeth all these things. The tabernacle of David was all-inclusive, all-welcoming, worship and praise and dancing and clapping and singing. And there it is where David truly began. That is where he began. Worshiping, praising, offerings. There were singers, musicians. His songs were sang in the tabernacle of David. Jewish scholars note that the tabernacle of David was an open affair. Reminiscent to the short time when Moses' meager tent was offered for those who sought the Lord before the tabernacle of Moses was built. Jerusalem never had more worship than it did when the tabernacle of David existed. The city had never heard more singing or saw more dancing than when everyone would come and seek the Lord. But as time went by and David's own wealth emerged, he felt awkward, perhaps even somewhat ashamed of his lavish lifestyle. You see, God told David not to have too many horses and David don't have too many wives and not too much land. But David did the opposite. His wealth built up without constraint. He began to compare his palace to the tent that held the Ark of the Covenant. It was David's heart, his passion, that, that caused him both conflict and saved him. Oh, to tell it all. David decided to build God a house, a permanent house. It was David who made the choice, not God. David wanted a place, some fixed location to give God, even though God never intended to be boxed up or put behind some wall. David just could not grasp the idea that God did not want an address. David felt guilty. And David said to his prophet Nathan, he said, and I quote from 1 Chronicles 17, 1, Lo, Nathan, lo, I dwell in a house of cedars, but the ark of the covenant of the Lord remains under curtains. David said, I want to build a house. And at first, Nathan thought it was a good thing, a good idea. But in the night, God spoke to the prophet. And God said to the prophet in verse 4, Go and tell my servant David, thus saith the Lord, Thou shalt not build me a house to dwell in. For I have not dwelt in a house since the day that I brought up Israel unto this day, but have gone from tent to tent, <laughs> and from tabernacle to another, one to another. God allowed the temple. Hear me now. God allowed the temple, but he did not commission the temple. Mm -hmm. Watch the progression here. There's a progression. It's a progression we've all stumbled on. First, they went to seek God. And they sought for him. If you wanted God, you had to seek for him. Then he was set in the midst of them, a tabernacle in the middle. They knew where he was. They stood in awe of him, the mighty cloud, consuming the sacrifice. They built their lives around him. Then David decided to give God a permanent place to dwell. And though God permitted it, he did not decree it. In fact, God said, I've dwelled in tents from one to another. And now Solomon, David's son, will build the temple. But only after God's allowance and only after God's concession. And the temple that Solomon built was the most ostentatious house of worship known to mankind. No one had ever saw anything like it. No one had to wonder where God was. He was not in their middle. 
He was not in their midst. He was not open to everyone. He was in Solomon's temple. Are you getting this today? That temple was built without heavenly instructions. It was built by the mind of Solomon and his father David. It was luxury and splendor. The gold overlay. There was nothing like it. No one had ever seen anything like it. The massive monumental pillars that stood outside of it. They were some 30 feet high from base to capital and 8 feet in diameter. So many things larger and more extravagant than the mobile tabernacle of Moses and far, far removed from the humble open tent of meeting. Instead of one molten sea, there are multiple places to wash the types were sending new mixed messages all the while the allure of the edifice casting its own rank how far they had moved away from those meager days of worship but then upon completion though it was luxurious and profound in every way Solomon saw it and he realized this transcending truth he said and I quote but will God indeed dwell on earth behold the heaven and the heaven of heavens can't contain you how much less this house that I've built Solomon after all that was built realized the futility of his own hand and the reason was simple God wanted to be sought after he wanted people that would seek him out he never meant to be bound he was always meant to be found God said Proverbs 8 17 God said this I love them that love me and those that seek me early shall find me God said to Jeremiah and you shall seek me and find me when he shall search for me with all your heart Isaiah wrote it are you hearing this now seek ye the Lord while he may be found call ye upon him while he is near let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon seek him the wicked forsakes his way when he seeks the Lord things change when we seek the Lord our lives get in order when we seek the Lord God changes your thoughts your passions when you seek the Lord all of your ambitions change and you are refreshed when you seek him and find him ah so many have said that they never want to go back everyone's saying it I don't want to go back to the way things used to be I don't want to live the life that I lived before we'll never go back I love it I'm with you that has been the running theme of our quarantine days I am with you but I ask you today if we will not return where we came from then where shall we go it takes time to look back and it takes time to move forward Amos stood. He stood up as an oracle in hopes to save the people of Israel. His message was so simple and yet so remarkably profound and sure. Amos said, For thus saith the Lord unto the house of Israel, Seek me, and ye shall live. As if the second half is contingent upon the first, you're going to live if you seek me. Zephaniah stood up and said, Seek ye the Lord, all ye meek of the earth, which have wrought his judgment. Seek righteousness. How about that? Seek meekness. Yes, it may be ye shall be hid in the day of the Lord's anger when you seek the Lord. Jesus even said, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. When you begin to seek the Lord 
you'll find him and your life becomes different it changes from top to bottom I've been praying I've been walking and praying I'm talking to the Lord I'm asking the Lord tell me what you want me to say to the people speak to me Lord I've been praying I've been seeking God and the Lord spoke to me this week I know it might sound a little strange but the word of the Lord is in me right now. It's in me. I felt the impression of the Spirit in my mind, in my in my thoughts. I felt the Lord. This is how he does it with me. I don't know how he does it with you, but the Lord spoke to me. And the Spirit said this to me. Tell the people, I'm not bound to the place of their making. Tell the people, come find me. That's the word I was given. Come find me. Wherever you expect me to be, I'll be there. Wherever your expectation is, I'll be there. Don't start arguing about the place. You got to seek his face. You'll find him if you seek his face. <laughs> I want you to get real today. I want you to be genuine. Have you sought for him? When was the last time you sought for the Lord? Are you seeking for him? Hear me. People have gone to churches and church houses and sanctuaries and auditoriums all their lives and they never sought for the Lord. They sought tradition. They looked for function. They liked the ceremony. Hear me. If you cannot find him where you are, you cannot find him anywhere. And the Lord is saying, come find me. I'm, I'm submitting to you today. We're not waiting for an administration from the president or the governor or mayors or anyone to open up the churches. They're not in control of anything. The Lord God Almighty is in control. He's trying to do something in us. And maybe the devil meant it for evil, but God can take that very thing and make it for good. And he is reaching and calling to all the people, the sinner, the saint, the unbeliever, the discouraged, anybody come find me I am where you expect me to be <laughs> yes Lord yes Lord I'm glad today I cannot see your face I'm glad that I can't I'm glad those of you who are watching me I can't see you because truly this is not a welcomed word I know it sounds good for a moment I know but put to task, we don't really want it this way. We like God in a fixed location. We want him in his place so we can feel good about our lives. There are millions of Christians who talk about their spiritual life and their private life. As if anyone can compartmentalize the Lord in their own living. Go tell the politicians, there's no such thing as private faith. That's a lie. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. There's no private faith. Paul wrote, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation to everybody, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I know this is not a welcome message because I'm not the first one to preach it. Stephen preached it in the book of Acts chapter 7 and they stoned him at the end of that message. And I'll preach a little bit of Stephen's word today. He said, our fathers had the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness as he had appointed, speaking unto Moses that he should make it according to the fashion that he had seen, which also our fathers that came after brought in Joshua, that the, the name Jesus could also be Joshua, comes from the same root word, into the possession of the Gentiles whom God drove out before the face of our fathers unto the days of David. Who? David. 
David found favor before God. He desired, David desired to find a tabernacle for God, for the God of Jacob. But Solomon built him an house. How be it? This is, this is where it made them angry. All the Pharisees and the religious people, all the good people, all the scribes, all the Sadducees. Stephen made them so angry when he said, how be it? The most high dwelleth not in temples made with hands, as saith the prophet, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. What house will you build me, saith the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Hath not my hand made all these things? I'm preaching today not to take confidence in a place when the Lord is asking you to seek his face. Come find me. Come find me. Wherever you are. Wherever you are is the right place to seek for him. That's what he wanted all along. And if you call on him right now, I guarantee that he will hear you. He is close as the mention of his name. He is where you call on him. He is present where you are hungry. He is available where you are searching. Come find me. Come find me. Of course, this debate has been going on for a long time, too. We didn't start it. This didn't begin now. Paul was debating this very point on Mars Hill. Paul told those men of study and story. He said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. For as I passed by, beheld your devotions, all these idols, all these altars, I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God, whom there... Therefore, ye eagerly worship him, I'll declare to you. You didn't know what his name, you didn't know who he was, I'm going to declare it. Verse 24, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worship with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. And God hath made of one blood all nations of men to dwell on the face of the earth, and hath... Watch this. God hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. Are you getting this today? God hath appointed this day, this time, 2020. That was in God's mind. A world pandemic was in his sight. Your life is in his view. He saw you. He sees you. Even this day, even this hour, the word that I preach to you right now, he knows where you are. He's close by. Paul said, God determined the times and the people in those times, here's the last verse, verse 27, that they in those times should seek the Lord if happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us, feeling and find him. Like a man in a dark room seeking for something real but not having the light to guide him. Hands out, hands up, in surrender, in praise, in hope, seeking for him. Here's verse 27 again. God did this so men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Though he is not far from any one of us. I ask you today, are you searching for God? Come, the Lord says. Tell the people, come find me. Come find me. Seek for him. Search for him. He's not too far. And forgive me, but if you're willing to wait to get into a building to find God, 
you're going to miss the moment of his visitation. If you're waiting for some CDC rule to end or some governor or some mayor or some headship to say, okay, now you can go back to worship, you've missed the whole point. You've got stuck in a tradition. I would say that the day we get to come back into corporate worship, it should be a rejoicing because we've been worshiping all along. Surely our praise, surely our seeking after him did not end when we closed up the doors to a temporary building. I say, I say it again. I'm expecting him to be on the road that I walk. I'm expecting him to be in the bedroom where I sleep. I'm expecting him to be in the kitchen where I eat. I'm expecting him to be at my desk where I read. I'm expecting him to be in the hallway where I walk down. I expect him to be in the car when I drive. I expect him to be in the dining room, in the living room, everywhere. I'm expecting him to be there. I've got to find him. I've got to seek for him. I'm burdened. I'm burdened because I know. I know. Some are not waiting. Some are waiting, rather. Some are not. They're not wanting to seek God. They're waiting for someone else to help them. But the Lord is using this time to tell you, come seek for me. I have to be the subject of your adoration. <laughs> it's just like those people who say, Pastor, when I get my life together, you know, everything's straightened out. I'm, I'm going to get back to church. It's the same thing. First of all, no one ever gets right before they come to God. No one ever gets right before. You can't get right. No one is good enough to begin with. No one is ever qualified to stand before the Lord. All of us come broken, and undone, in need of help. And secondly and lastly, God is not bound to visit you. At your prescribed location. He's not far from you. He's a few steps away from wherever you are. And I end here and I ask the musicians to come. I feel the Lord speaking to us today. He's not going to waste this moment. He's using this moment to establish his relationship with you. And his word to you today. The Lord spoke to me. Tell the people. Come find me. I can be found if you seek for me. Come find me. You've been bound up by your tradition. And the Lord has allowed it to be broken for a season. I feel this lesson today strongly so that we can have a relationship with him. If you don't want to go back to function, formality, if you want to get into sincerity, go ahead, take time and look back. Now take time and look forward. It takes time to look forward. Go seek for him. He's not in your design. He's not in your design. He's not in your creation. He attends to your heart. Seek me and live. I want to live now. I want to live a life more abundantly. I want to take dominion over all the things that have bound me. I'm not going back to the images of the tyrant. I'm going to go forward to a place where I can find God. And that place is the location 
of my expectation. We're singing now, come find the Lord. He's saying, come find me, come find me.